from the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, every week I'm impressed when inside of 12 tries you get that whole spill right. <laughs> well, it was, it, it, typically I get tongue-tied. But what happened this week was that I act, I was mispronouncing all the vowels in all those words. I don't even know how that's possible. Well, I just I think sometimes you say it before you go to bed at night. Hello, welcome to the Cigar Castle. <laughs> I get awoken from a deep sleep. Hey, we're recording live from Castle. <laughs> At all, but join tonight our special guest, Jonathan Bur- Brannon. 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 I think we're all struggling. It's, tonight. Uh, there's something in the air tonight. I think. Yeah. It's my teeth chattering. <laughs> it is. It is cold. In the here. cold yeah. is pouring through this window next to me like it's open. <laughs> so. Oh, was the mic not on? Yeah, it's on, but I'm having a hard time hearing you. We'll 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 dial it in as we go. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. Trial and error. Yeah, trial and error. So I'm back again, back on the or been on the road for the past, uh, shoot, man, it's probably been a month and a half at least, or right at that. Since uh, you've been home? Yeah. Well, wow. I just got back from two weeks, so um, I was in Atlanta and South Carolina for two weeks, so that was kind of a struggle, but happy to be home, hit the road tomorrow, though, so back at it. There you go. There's no rest for the weary, huh? Oh, no, no rest at all. Well, tonight, before we get started talking about John, and by the way, last time we had Jonathan on, we did not say who he was going to be repping for. Please, give us the official company spiel. Okay, so the official company spiel is I got a job with Caldwell Cigars starting this past November 1st. So I'm about a month and a week or so into it. Um, it's been going really good. Um, they say the cigar industry kind of dies down towards the end of the year. I say no, it doesn't. People still want cigars. That's so, awesome. That's um, great. It's been awesome. Well, and we're going we're gonna to come back to that. First, got to get some cigars lit. Tonight, we'll all be smoking Caldwell cigars. And I'm really excited to smoke this one. This is the Anastasia. And I would tell you what the blend is, but as Shane already found out, that the blend is undisclosed. And so I was like, oh, let me look into my paperwork. I'm sure I have the blend on it. And even for me, it says undisclosed. So it's a mystery. 11 different herbs and spices go into this? Well, it, it comes across as kind of medium. Um, we did change the blend recently on that cigar. Well, didn't change the blend. The age of the tobacco's changed. So the wrapper used to be 12, year, 12 years old, um, and now it's right around, I think, five years old. Um, we ran out of the 12-year-old wrapper, so we changed to a younger wrapper. Um, but eventually that will come back. We just ran out of the tobacco. It was selling a lot better than what we expected. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. It's always a good problem. Now, what's Trey smoking? Trey is smoking a new cigar. Um, the name is actually about to change on that cigar, but it's called the Long Live the King Mad MF. I can only guess what MF stands for. Yeah, I think we can all <laughs> guess what it stands for. Um, but it uses a Mexican San Andreas uh, wrapper. It uses Indonesian binder, and then it uses um, Dominican, Nicaraguan, and U.S. Pennsylvania filler. I, so, when you told me the the recipe on this cigar i just immediately fell in love with it that everything about that sounds good to me oh it's probably my favorite cigar that we make um right now it's on back order for anybody that's looking for it um your shops may have it um but we're actually uh, changing the name on it so uh, the name will be changing so tell us what you're smoking i'm smoking he's tried to light it four times now and i keep interrupting him (laughs) i'm smoking the uh it's called the savages um, it uses a Habano wrapper, and then we don't disclose what the binder and the filler are in the cigar. So uh, it comes across as medium plus, I would say. Uh, it's got a little bit more. It's similar to the Anastasia, but the Anastasia is more smooth. This comes across a little more spicy. Boy, this got some chocolate to it. Yeah. So what's the deal with not disclosing the binder and the fillers? Has, has Caldwell given you an, an explanation? Because... A lot of times, that's what will cause me to try a cigar is I'll say, oh, that's got some Sumatra in it, or that's got some Habano. Well, I think what we do is, one, we don't want, we kind of get our tobacco from a special special batch down in the Dominican um, as a special grower. Um, he does a really good job. and we'll owns use a lot of. He does a lot of exotic uh, hybrids and stuff. I wouldn't, it, none of it's coming out of Cuba by all means. Uh, you would taste it if it was, but. Um, he does a lot of hybrid leaves, uh, 
an exotic tobacco, so we get a lot of our tobacco from him, and so we don't want to disclose to other companies that that's what we're using. Um, we want to be different. And then also it gives a little bit of mystery when you smoke it. So you don't go in with a preconceived notion of I hate that tobacco. Yeah, um, Because you, you, may, you may not like Mexican San Andreas, but if you go in – you look at that cigar and it says Mexican San Andreas you're like oh, I don't want to smoke it because yeah. I don't like Mexican San Andreas if you don't know the blend you'll smoke it and be like wow I love this cigar well how many times so. have we smoked a new cigar for the first time either on the show or, or whatever and and the mystery adds something to it it does it's my control freak portion of my life that I like to be in control of everything, I guess, that makes me want to know the recipe. I mean, it's not like I'm going to say, oh, okay, well, I have the recipe now. I can go to the house and make my own. Yeah. So it's a different deal. So, okay, first month on the job, what's been your biggest surprise? I know I said I wasn't going to interview you, but I've got to ask you that question. Honestly, that everybody's been very nice. Uh, I was expecting to deal with some people that, you know, look at me and I walk through the door and they go, oh, he's just trying to sell me something. But everybody's been really respectful, really nice. Um, kind of wanted to know, wanted to have personal conversations, you know, know where I came from. Oh, what's your history in this industry? Um, and that was really cool. So it's building those relationships that I didn't think were going to come as easy as they have been. Um, that was probably my biggest surprise. That was one of the things that I noticed as well when I was, when I was in the game because – you know, you're expecting to walk in with a certain amount of expectations around you. And, and, and what I found was that because the industry is built on the rep relationship, that you're much more likely to get in front of somebody who understands this is the way the industry works. I'm going to have to deal with reps. And they know they're going to be seeing you every few weeks. So they do want to kind of get to know you a little better. It's not just about what's in your portfolio, but it has, a, it has to do with who you are as well. And then also it surprised me that so many owners out there that work in shops or that own shops, they work all the time. Um, I kind of came from a shop where the owner was kind of in the background and he, he did manager stuff, but never really worked. Um, kind of let his employee, he trusted his employees enough to take care of it. But it surprised me a lot that a lot of these shops, you know, the owners, they work every day, you know, open to five or open to close in some cases on some days. And, that there really isn't that much staff behind a lot of these cigar shops. Um, so when you go in cigar shops, you know, if you see the owner in there and that's your home shop, just, just uh, thank him for what he's doing because he does spend a lot of time and a lot of effort in trying to please his customers. So, you know, give thanks to your, um, give your, to your owners because they do a lot for you guys. That's a, no, that's a really good point. You know, the, I think, I think one of the, that's a regional thing as well. When I'm, when I was repping out in Texas, I noticed there were a lot more shops that there were. They had fully staffed employees that that kind of ran the shop. And I mean, I've gone into shops where they've been fully staffed, and you know, they have three, four employees that are working at a time. But a lot of these shops, one employee, and they have like one other employee other than the owner. And you know, the owner he works open to close some days, and then some days he'll work open to five, and then the other employee comes in and closes. Yeah. And these are really successful, busy shops, and it's like, how do you do it? And I've I've noticed I tend to, from a consumer standpoint, I want to hang out in the shops where the the owner tends to be a little bit more invested, be around a lot more. But I did I do find that in the southeast Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, you you do get a lot more of that where the owner is in the shop most of the time. Well, and um, it's been amazing to me how many cigars Caldwell has that I've never seen before that you've brought brought mm-hmm. to the table. It amazed me, honestly. I mean, even going to this job, I had a, I, I knew a lot of most of their cigars, but there were some cigars I'm like, I had no idea that you guys made that. Um, La Barbara was one of those. Um, mm. We don't, I wouldn't necessarily say we make La Barbara, um, Tony, he owns a shop up in Ohio. He's the kind of the guy behind La Barbara. He he owns La Barbara, but um, we're not part. I don't think we're partners in it. But those cigars are amazing, and and the fact that they're in the portfolio, kind of under Caldwell's umbrella, is, is really awesome because I never even knew that. I've seen them on the shelf, and I'm just like, oh, it's another little small time mom and pop cigar shop or cigar company. And no, they make great stuff. They have this cigar called the Ricochet, and I think you smoked it, Shane. Yeah, you brought the me a Ricochet. Band. Yeah, really yeah. enjoyed that cigar. Awesome cigar. I, that's probably my second favorite cigar that we do outside of the Matt MF. This thing is really impressing me with the 
the chocolate flavor that I'm getting out of it. Like it's very, 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 very rich in that cocoa flavor, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. And and Shane, you will be happy to know that I have never smoked this cigar before. This is a this cigar cast inclusive exclusive. That's right. Well, I had to smuggle something in that you can't get just anywhere <laughs> at all. I had to get Jonathan. Jonathan, what have you got that would know Trey's never smoked before? And also, uh, Caldwell is going to be making an appearance in Crown Cigars Humidor probably Friday or Monday of next week. Um, Austin just placed an order with us, and uh, we're going to be doing some big things uh, as far as right before Christmas. We're going to be running some specials and and giving some stuff away. So uh, everybody be prepared for that if you're a customer of Crown Cigars. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's that's a pretty huge accomplishment to get somebody to place an order in the middle to the end of December because usually they got to pay inventory tax. Well, I promised him that I I was like, hey, you place an order, I promise that 90% of the product will be sold. All right. So... I'm going to I'm going to So, gonna so really you've got a line of credit to, open in case it doesn't move off the shelf you can come in oh, here. Oh, we can we can figure something out. But I think <laughs> it, he didn't he didn't overorder. We ordered what he needed and got him taken care of on that. So um, and it's well, really good stuff. Proper promotion it'll work. But so let's step away from that cuz like I said I didn't we don't want to just interview you. We want to have you contribute to the cigar cast tonight in other ways. So Organeer O-R-I-G-I-N-E-E-R. Origineer? M-O-U-S-E. Yeah. <laughs> they designed and released a new type of cigar humidifier. Now, this thing, I showed y'all the picture before the show. This is really interesting because it basically looks like... Have you ever seen the old videos of coffins when they put the bell at the top so that if somebody was buried alive, they could ring the bell? See, to me, it looked more like one of those Japanese puzzles with the ring and the rope and where you have to get the from one side to the other. To have me, you ever it kind of remind me of one of those, like, uh, when you go to Cracker Barrel and you see the little wick uh, lamps. Oh, yeah, that too. It made me think of that. Well, it's interesting because... So I takes... was like, do you light both ends? <laughs> Well, you set it in your humidor. It takes up the space of six cigars, and it has basically a T at the top and runs rope out each end, and you fill it with glycol polyethylene, which, did I pronounce that right? Propylene glycol. Not even close. Not even close. So it wicks. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) It wicks the moisture out. It wicks. Thank you. It wicks the moisture out and spreads it around the humidor, which I really like. I think that's a cool ideal. Um, it's rare that we see something really new and innovative come in in the cigar industry. And in the second half of the show, we're really going to talk about how to take care of all those gifts you get. What I really like about that, what, what, what impresses me about that is that it's old, old, old technology. You know, it's, it, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's going back to something that has been used and, and is kind of a, a known um, mechanic for centuries it's a, old it's a cool thought but also it takes up the space of six cigars which i'd have to argue just from the picture i don't know how big it is in person but it looks like it may take up six cigars when they're laying flat but then you also have to account for the height that the, was that was a thing that it kind of that i noticed as well it looks very tall so it really looks like your humidor okay so it's it is Shane just tall. showed us a it, it's very compact it takes up uh Three cigars laying flat and then three on top. So if you double stack, do three and then three on top, that's about the same amount of space that it takes. Yeah. Up. But then you've also got that T that comes up off the top of it, too. Yeah, so but also the fact be... that it's like, oh, well, you don't have to recharge it for six months. That's worth it. But it's only a 50-count humidor. Yeah. It's only good for a 50-count. Well, no, it says it fits comfortably in a standard 50-count humidor. It doesn't say it'll only do 50 cigars. If it would like, do like you know two three hundred cigars, I'm all about that. Yeah. I, I, well, the pr- me, humidiform. The, I'm sorry, Trey. <laughs> that's fine. I, for me, it, it comes down to uh, you know the shape and size of your humidor as to whether that's going to fit comfortably. I, even though it would technically fit in my humidor, I don't necessarily like the design for my style of humidor. But for yours or for a traditional cabinet style, I think it would look and work really, really well. Well, and that's what I want. I want a bigger one that looks like a Wiley Coyote dynamite plunger. <laughs> that's really what I want to set in my humidor. And yeah, if you got if you got like a really big one that was about the size of a fifty count humidor that you can just put in the bottom, fill it up, and you only got to refill it every six months every in a decade. cabinet. 
Or every year? Oh, yeah, perfect. I think they'd sell a ton of them. Because uh, I'm all for convenience when it comes to my humidor. Like, I don't want to have to be messing with it all the and time. And that's kind of where Bovita is just taking over the market. Yeah, they really have. convenience. Well, well, that's where the propylene glycol in place of the distilled water has really made a big difference, too, because it lasts about twice as long as distilled water. At least it does in my humidor. Well, now, that, gives, that brings me to an interesting question that I'll ask during the second half of the show when we talk about maintaining your humidor, maintaining your cutters and lighters. To wrap this up and put a bow on it, it's going to retail for 65 bucks, which doesn't seem outrageous to me. And I love the look. I just love the old school look. And the average human being would be amazed as to how much wicking plays into designing a home. Really? Yes, how we set up girders, how we set up rafters, how HVAC works. You would be amazed how often the term wicking is used in my day-to-day life. As an, as an endurance athlete, I deal with wicking a lot too, but usually to uh, <laughs> in a different capacity altogether. <laughs> So Swisher, um, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to go down that road any do you? deeper into that. I just <laughs> I don't see that going anywhere that benefits us long term. So Swisher International is closing their Jacksonville cigar factory, and this is Swisher's last factory in the United States. So all their production will be moved to the Dominican Republic. Um, so I got a question. In all your past month of travels to different stores, are anybody talking about the flavored cigar ban? If that's going to be a deal, anybody? It surprised me how many people had no idea about it. No idea. Um, There was one shop that that I recall clearly they knew about it, and acid blue labels are exempt from that because they're pre-07. Everything else is pretty much gone. That's the Cuba, right? Yeah, Yeah. the Cuba, Cuba, and the Blondie. And the Blondie are going to be from what they understand are going to be exempt from that everything else is going to be banned I wonder Um, how much of that has to do with the fact that the FDA's kind of let off the gas a little bit so people are starting to breathe easier and just maybe not paying as close attention as they once did I think that's part of it I think this is part of I think there's probably been a deal brokered I think a lot of it comes down to manufacturers that they just they continue. They're like, oh, well, it hadn't officially gone into effect, so we're just going to do whatever we want. Yeah. And then retailers are like, you know, oh, this keeps getting appealed. You know, it's never going to actually officially go into effect. So they just don't even bother with looking it up anymore. Yeah, I well, think you're right. I feel like this is targeted at the gas store, gas station cigars, the White Owls, and the, you know, the Swisher Sweet Grape. I think this is not targeted toward anything any of us would actually smoke. I feel like this is far more And also you have to... That. Premium cigars that are flavored are called infused cigars. So, is infused cigars okay, but flavored cigars aren't? We kind of touched on this a few weeks ago as far as where are, where we draw that line in the sand and the difference right. between infusion and, uh, and flavoring. Well, because tobacco is a flavor. So, yeah. all cigars are flavored to a degree. I mean, you know, and the, there's, there's flavor profiles. Because you don't ever worry about a you know, 16-year-old high school student coming into a premium cigar shop and like, oh, I want an acid or I want a Cuba Cuba or a Tabak or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. You worry about them going in the gas station and being like, oh, I want that uh, white peach, white owl or some crap yeah. like that. And they don't want it because they want to smoke it. They want to go roll a blunt with it. So, you know. <laughs> okay. So this, this really is why I wanted to have Jonathan on tonight. Congratulations, Trey. You've been ambushed. Okay. Calibri has shift, shipped their new camo colorways cutters uh, i hate that design of cutter i do too you do i thought you liked it so now that they're doing it right with the s cut and the v cut i i think they need to get rid of their butterfly cutter now, the butterfly dual side guillotine just to me is the worst cutter what do you think unless it's zycar I just I don't really care for it. Um, I love my Zycars, the the XI what is it XI one XI two and XI three. Mm-hmm. Um, I use actually I'm using one right now uh, XI three, but uh, and I have a couple of them and they work great. I love them. Uh, they're convenient, easy. But with Calibri, I would say let's stick to the S cuts and the V cuts because you're killing it in the S cuts and V cuts. Like they're so the S cuts so compact. 
And then the V-cut is the best V-cutter on the market. Right. You know, for me, I, I originally thought you were talking more about the visual design than the actual functional design. And that's and I, just hideous. I don't like I, it at all. I don't like that at all. What I have found with that style of cutter, their, their butterfly cutter, is that for people with really big hands, I do have a tendency, not so much anymore, but when I first started using it, I had a tendency to pinch my hand with the Zycar, which I didn't have that issue with the Calibri because it's got such a wider base. It fits my hand a little bit better. Now, that being said, you know, one thing that from a functional standpoint that the Calibri does that the Zycar doesn't is if you push just one side in on the Calibri, it'll lock. Whereas with the Zycar, you have to push both of them in. And I just like that that much better. I really wish the Calibri was such that if you just pushed one side in, it wouldn't lock out. Well, I wish, you know, we've discussed this before. I wish that they were designed where both sides had to come in evenly. I wish there was a gear or a sprocket at the bottom so that both sides had to come in evenly. I actually know someone who has designed a lot. Zycar actually has that with their, uh, what is it, XO cutter? The only problem That circle one, but I don't like it because you can't see exactly where you're lining up the blade. I also don't like it because it's all plastic. See, I, to me... All the, the XO, they're metal. I well, mean, the, the blades are, but all the gearing is plastic. The so gearing I know, might be plastic. I was like, the outside and the blades are all metal. But the gearing is plastic, and so. But I don't I like the gears because to me it doesn't feel smooth. It feels very rough. To I know a few people that have stripped them, just because they wear out, and uh, that was a design uh, mistake, if I can use that word, that, that I thought just a few more cents in manufacturing costs could have prevented that. But now, when they first came out, the body of them was plastic as well. They may have they may be doing some metallic or metal finishes now. I know we got some in down at R and R when I was working there, and all the ones we got in were metal. Um, we had like blue, uh, silver, black, and then like this gunmetal color. Yeah, but I do know a guy that actually designed one that was the traditional double guillotine that used gears and uh, had it patented and all that stuff. So it, it's out there. I just don't know that there's a market for it, or at least they don't know if there's a market for it. Well, and it may be just my my personal thing. You know, my favorite cutter, always going to be my Calibri, my cube cutter. Mm-hmm. Favorite cutter. Love that and table cutter. And a ton cutter. of shops use that as their house cutter. Ton of shops. Yeah, just a great, have you seen, have, I've not had any trouble with mine and my... My wife smacks that thing like she's ringing in the $1,000 question on Jeopardy. I mean, she beats it like it owes her money, and the thing is held up outstanding. Well, you can tell that from the weight of it. You know, when you pick that thing up, you know that it's got some solid construction in it. There was one shop I went into. They've been using it for ever since it came out as their house cutter and never had to replace it, never gotten dull. It's just held up. Just never had any blades. Yeah. It's amazing to me. Well, I love Calibri stuff, so I don't want to really just trash on it, but I, this is my least favorite design of cutter. I just I, I know they're trying to do something ergonomic there, but it just don't fit right. The teardrop cutter. I don't get their colors. I, I don't know what cigar smoker that would appeal to. It takes all comers. You know, there are plenty of design things that I see, and I go, who thinks that that's an attractive design? And then, But people buy it, you know. So I, I, I can see that it's going to appeal to somebody, it surprises me that that I feel like that appeals to like the wife that comes in it's like oh I want to get my husband a cutter and they like oh look at this one and she's like oh that's cool that's the colors of his favorite football team and they get it and then he's just like oh well I'm not going to tell her I don't like the style of it but oh it's great honey and then it goes in a drawer well I think you know they've been Calibri's been doing a lot of things with bold colors since uh, early 2012 or 13 they rebranded all the fire, um, the, what was it, Firebird stuff. Right. And I should know that. And, you know, so they really went into the color market. You see that on the stuff they're putting out now. So I understand it's it's the camo breakup piece of that. But it's, it's almost like, have you ever seen the pictures of the Razzle Dazzle uh, or the Dazzle camouflage that oh, they used yeah. to paint ships with? It reminds me more of that than it does true camo. Well, any digital camouflage pattern to me defeats the purpose of having camouflage, which I don't want. You know, every hunting accessory is sold in camouflage. 
that's the worst thing for a hunting accessory to be sold in because if I drop my camouflage mag light, now I have to look for it. <laughs> I want it to be bright orange. I want it to be silver. I want it because it's going to be in my pocket till I'm using it. Right. I don't want to drop it in the leaves and, oh, wow, it blends in perfectly. I'll never find and cigar, it again. And cigar accessories, I think you need to stick to the traditional black, silver, gold, gunmetal, call it a day. Yeah, just a much better, much better livery to put on your cutters. But we're going to step away and we're going to take a break, hit the cigar under eight. When we come back, though, let's really talk about all these accessories you get for Christmas, what you need to do to maintain them and take care of them. I'm interested to dispel some humidor myths tonight. Um, All right. Well, we'll be back with that more after this. All right, guys, this is Jonathan. Uh, I'm the rep for Caldwell for this territory, and our cigar under eight um, for the Caldwell brand is going to be the Blind Man Bluff Robusto in Habano or Connecticut. Um, either one, the Habano is going to be more of a medium plus cigar. Um, great flavors to it, kind of earthy, a little bit of spicy notes to it. Um, and then the Connecticut is going to be a little bit more mild, um, kind of lean more towards like that Romeo and Juliet, Monte Cristo kind of taste. So just very typical, normal, big brand cigar. So uh, that's the Cigar Under 8, and you guys enjoy. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane, sitting here with Trey and Jonathan. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, welcome back the newly minted Caldwell cigar rep for our area. Did we even have a rep in this area before you? Uh, not since January. We dealt with uh, a broker. Um, we bounced back and forth between brokers. Our last broker company was uh, Chimp, and oh. they imploded and kind of fell apart. Um, and then we kind of went... Rep- we were just without a representative since then. We tested out some different companies but nothing really worked okay so how does a padron do it because there's no such thing as a padron rep how do they do it is it all reputation and people just want to deal with them how does they that make work, such a great product that they're like if you want to deal with us you'll call us yeah that's and that's everything i've always heard of them too yeah. they don't do events uh i think they may occasionally do um Jorge or George Padron may occasionally do an event somewhere, but, I mean, it's very rare. Yeah, it just it amazes me that there's cigar companies, you know, Drew Estate, Gurkha, they really do a lot of marketing. They pour a lot of money into marketing, a lot of energy into marketing, a lot of reps out there working. Oh, you got to think if you're a rep, kind of like Fuente doesn't really need a rep, honestly. I mean, Fuente kind of, it's in every shop. It sells itself. I think he doesn't have to do a whole lot. So if Padron hired a rep, it's like, okay, what does he really got to do? Is he going to benefit us for us to pay him what we're going to have to pay him? No, he doesn't. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I, I think Fuente benefits from the J.C. Newman product line, benefits from, from the Fuente having rep. rep. You know, with, with Padron, I mean, think about it. We always talk about how they're the gold standard in the industry. So when you've got that kind of reputation, yeah, people are going to beat a path to your door. And because they want whatever you're selling, you know. I mean, they're the one company that makes doesn't make a bad product. It's at true. All. Uh, the Damasa, not my favorite cigar. Yeah, but, but if, you are. If someone handed it to you, would you hand it back? Oh no, I wouldn't. That doesn't hit your palate though. Um, yeah. But for the guy that wants a premium mile, that's like that likes you know Ashton White Label. Um, anything like by a, Davidoff. Anything by Davidoff. Yeah, it's spot <laughs> on, and it's cheaper. I actually had a Davidoff this week. Uh, so I was in Atlanta all last week for a... Um, Me too. Yeah, we, we, did you go by Wise Ash Cigars there in I Smyrna? was there. Oh, I wish I'd have known you were going. I was, I was there all week. Um, um, actually, no, hang on. No, that was my previous trip to Atlanta. I did not go by Wise Ash. Okay, but Mike and that crew have a great shop. Yeah, that was where shop. I got my start in the industry, was being a regular down there when I, when I lived down wow. there. And uh, started working for that shop before I got the Cleaver gig. So, a friend of mine, it was really great, got down there, and a bunch of the old guard from back when John Allen used to own the shop, the original owner, everybody just happened to be back in town at the same time. It was amazing. Uh, One of the guys has since moved to Paris, France, 
one of the guys had moved to Miami. He's moved back. But we got all we all got together on Thursday night, and it was just the old crowd back together. It was awesome. But someone put a Davidoff. I want to say it's seven o two in my hand. I've got to tell you, I'm not a huge Davidoff fan, but holy crap, that is a good cigar. I've got to try and find one for you. I don't. Most of the white label shops in this town, I'm not a fan of, so I tend not to go. However, I'm going to have to pick. I, I think that might be your Christmas present this year, Shane. I'll have to try it because I've, I've yet to find a Davidoff that hits my palate. Until this one, I was saying the same thing. But, and, of course, being a caring host that cares about the show, I'll wait till I'm on the air to smoke it. This was a perfect <laughs> scenario of the etiquette being when someone hands you a cigar, you smoke it right then. I walk in the shop, one of my old buddies, Nat, who is one of the greatest people in the world, just life of the party, super nice guy. I go in, I walk, start to walk to the humidor. He goes, what are you doing? It's like, I'm going to get a cigar. He goes, uh-uh, no, no. And he reaches into the, uh, the big cabinet there, the white label cabinet in the shop, pulls that out, puts it in my hand and says, put it on my tab. Okay. I did smoke. It's a Zeno, which is made by Davidoff. Uh, I was actually setting a crown one day up at the bar talking to a regular and another uh, Austin had gotten in a Zeno shipment and he got one of those $150 Zenos. Yeah. I don't recall exactly what the name of it is. Well, there was another customer there. He actually ended up buying two boxes of them um, and then came up and handed me and the guy sitting beside me and said, hey, here, smoke this. See what you think. Uh, okay. And I was like, man, I can't. I just can't take a hundred and fifty dollars cigar from you. And so um, he's like, no, I insist. He's like, I want you to smoke it with me. I was like, okay. And so I was like, I'll trade you something. So I went and you know got some stuff that I had and traded in several cigars because it's hard <laughs> to, to make. Up I don't the have a yeah. to make up the difference. And uh, I smoked it and I was really impressed. It was a six sixty. It burned really well. Smoked phenomenally. And I was like, if this cigar was about forty fifty bucks, maybe. But 150, yeah. I just it was a little much for it. I haven't smoked a Zeno in a very long time, but they are they are such good cigars. This one was phenomenal. Uh, I've never had one. Would have I'll have to invest in one at some point when I've had a really good week. And yeah. I'll have to make see sure if you I have can a find really, a really really good week. Um, yeah, because I wouldn't have spent, I wouldn't have spent that money yeah. on myself. Your you know, dog wins a Kentucky Derby. My dog Derby. wins a Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Something like that happens. Ace probably could do it, though. You know? He's fast, and he loves Jonathan. But Just put a cupcake at the under, other end of the track No, just for put him. My, uh, my Chaco shoe at the end of it, and then he'll definitely he'll be all over it. Yeah, Jonathan enters my house and has to remove his shoes because Ace wants to eat them. <laughs> you know, he has to watch wrestling barefoot because Ace will eat his shoes right off of his feet. I don't know what it is. Something about it. But, okay, so Christmas is coming. Everybody's going to be getting gifts from the cigar guy. There's been a couple of people walk in here that obviously are here to buy gifts for their cigar-related friends. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about what gifts to get and what was really good. Caldwell Cigars, very good gift. A good gift for all around. <laughs> I'm just going to drop that in there real quick. All right. Hey. <laughs> I, uh, it, that, is the, that is the risk we take by having a rep on the show. I, I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> I've not had a Caldwell lighter show up yet. There's a Caldwell lighter, and I've, I've seen one. John has one, but I've not had one show I up yet. I haven't seen one either. You know what, guys? <laughs> I think I've got a uh, do we want to save this I've for off the air? <laughs> a few in my car, so you know, we can we can hook up the cigar cast. All right, but that's the closest thing we've come to a sponsorship yet. So big gift, people give you the humidor. Yes, and seasoning the humidor. Is there any part of cigar accessories that is more abused and has more bad myths than humidor seasoning? Probably not. You know, I also think it's it's the one thing that probably holds people back from buying a humidor themselves is knowing the maintenance that comes with it and, and not knowing how to season one if you've never done it before. And that, that being kind of a barrier to entry and why so many people just throw a Bavita pack in a Tupperware container and call it a day. So what is the most outrageous, wrong humidor seasoning technique the two of you have ever heard of? This whole, oh, well, you have to wipe down the humidor, and then you have to put an 84 Bovita pack in it, and you have to let it set for 12 days, and then you can put cigars in it. I've done it all different ways, all the ways they recommend, and then I've also done it where I wipe the humidor down real quick, toss a Bovita pack in it, 
let make sure that everything dr- soaks up into the wood and then toss cigars and it typically takes about three hours and i've gotten pretty much the same results from no matter how much time i take you know you might as well just wipe it down wait for it to soak into the wood toss your bravita pack in there put your cigars and typically it's good so. Let's let's talk for a second about why it's important to season a humidor, even if it's just the short version, yeah. or whether you you know you know hang it hang it with a cloth of ox blood and and do all the, the sacrificial rites that that I've heard of. You know, one of the reasons that cedar is is so predominant when it comes to humidors is because it's such a porous and soft wood. It absorbs a lot of moisture. If you go to use a humidor without having seasoned it in some way it's going to steal humidity from your cigars. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's really important that you, at, at the very least, wipe it down with a clean cloth or paper towel with distilled water. Again, just like anything else, if you are going to use water, you want it to be distilled water so that you're not putting all those impurities and stuff into the wood. But that's that's why it becomes important. Well, and conditioning the environment, you know, whether you go to Costco and get a dozen red roses and drop in it and don't take it out till they've wilted, However, the the particular... Is that something you've actually heard? I've, I've heard somebody say, take and cut the stems, put a dozen roses in it, and when they have wilted, the, it has absorbed the humidity oh out of the roses. Wow. So, uh, other than all of your cigars tasting like whatever perfume they've sprayed on the rose, don't go to Kroger for that. Go to Costco. Get good roses. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the, the, the short version is you want it... You want it to not steal humidity from your cigars and you also want it want to throw a bevita pack or you know the gels or whatever you're going to use mm-hmm. for humidification you want to at least sit for a, a long enough time that you can kind of bring the environment up to humidity so that you're not again and that's where i found i mean i always keep a high grommeter in mind and so i found that three hours after I, you know wipe it out with the distilled water a clean rag that's soaked in distilled water wipe it put the bevita pack in there shut it Come back about three hours later, it's soaked into the wood. Your humidity's right at, you know, 65, 70, which is where I prefer it. I prefer mine actually around 65 or 60 to 65. I like my cigars a little drier. Um, you know, but I found that works just as good than, you know, taking the three days and, you know, wiping it down multiple times. You get the same result. And your cigars smoke fine. I've never had a cigar in one humidor that I pulled out and it's like, oh, it's dry, it's cracked. And so I, I don't see the the point in taking the amount of time that they suggest. Yeah, I will say the, the flip side of that is if you do have a lot of time to spare, one of the things that I've done is take a little ramekin full of distilled water and just sit it completely open. Just sit it in there. Don't wipe anything down, nothing. Just sit an open container or glass or whatever uh, full of distilled water, and it'll just evaporate naturally. Mm-hmm. If you've got a few days to let it sit, and do uh, yeah. It by all means, if you if you have the time, take the time and do it. But if you don't, don't worry about it because it's not that big of a deal. So, what about the dollar bill test? Everyone here familiar with the dollar bill test? Is that fact or fiction? That is fact. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Jonathan, I'd have to agree. Jonathan, okay. I thought you were going to disagree with me. So, so go ahead and oh, explain the dollar bill test. The dollar bill test is you take a dollar bill. And you put it in the humidor, half in the humidor, half out. You shut the lid, and you should not be able to pull the dollar bill out easily. Right. Yeah, so you're kind of like shutting, shutting the lid on the dollar bill. It's kind of hanging off. Yeah. And that, that, you know, that, I heard that test a lot, and I've actually seen people with, un, you know, with humidors in here, and they're trying that, and they're like, oh, it doesn't. Well, that humidor hadn't been seasoned yet. I was about to say, that's one of the... But also the test that I always look for is, you know, lift the lift the lid up about you know three four inches and then drop it if it slams it's not going to seal great you kind of want that like swoosh of air so it's like and then just closes and that's the other thing to your point you know you're gonna uh, the humidor is one of those things i'd never recommend buying online it's just like a musical instrument you need to put your hands on it in a shop you need to know the because there's going to be manufacturing differences from this one to that one even though they came off the same line one right after the other if it doesn't necessarily have to be seasoned to work or to pass the dollar bill test, because you've got to think if it doesn't seal at all when it's not seasoned, it's kind of going to seal when it's seasoned. It's not going to get you all the way there. So you still want to have some resistance because that, I mean, the cedar is going to swell. That's what's going to enhance your seal. So 
Yeah, know that if, if you can pull it out, but it, it's a little resistant, by the time you season that humidor, you'll have a proper seal. But if it, like you said, if it just slams down, the other thing I do yeah. is if you lift the humidor lid up, um, try and give it a little bit of a, a left to right because you want the hinges to be strong enough that it's not going to shift. And that's the problem right. with a lot of these manufacturers of humidors is they, their hinges are so inconsistent. I mean, I've seen them come in and it's perfect. And then I've seen the same humidor out of a different box, but it's same manufacturer, same humidor. And it's just, it's not right. It, yeah. You, have to, you have to get it just hinge. right. You can tell the screws are in crooked. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this just isn't of good quality. So quality control comes down to a lot of these manufacturers. They just don't have good quality control. And always avoid the glass top humidor. That will never seal properly. I've never seen a glass top humidor that sealed properly. I, I have, but we've talked about it on the show before. From an aesthetic point of view, it's not my favorite. You lose real estate in the humidor because you you have to put whatever your humidification device is down in the box with your cigars as opposed to a solid top where you can actually stick it to the to the roof of the humidor. Um, you know, and yeah, they're going to be much more uh, susceptible to direct sunlight. So let's talk about cutters. When what is the maintenance routine on a cutter? I mean, I know a lot of guys get them and they never do anything to them. Um, I'm an obsessive sharpener of knives. My knives, if I can't circumcise a gnat, my knife is not sharp enough for use. So I really want my knife that sharp. And it kind of bugs me that I can't sharpen my cutters to any degree. So what is the maintenance schedule on a cutter for y'all? None. None. The only thing I will say on that, though, is the best thing you can do to enhance the the lifespan of your cutter is to never cut anything but cigars with it. I've seen guys cut threads off sweaters and, and you know, use it for that kind of little thing. It should only ever be used for cigars. You don't even put a little, just a little frog lube down in there ever so often mm-hmm. just so that all the hinges get Maybe loose. on that Zycar, you know, XO, you might need to just with all the gears. Probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Probably wouldn't be a bad I mean, idea. Your standard cutter, like, I don't know. This one I've had for four years now never done anything to it still cuts just as good as it did the first day i had it so yeah my my zycar is the same way it cuts just the way it did out of the box still to this day do you ever clean your cutter i do so i i haven't cleaned my zycar but i have cleaned several of my original calibri v cuts and the reason for that is because the design of it there's a little bit of gap from where the blade goes into the body on that v cutter and little dust and flecks and pieces of tobacco oh, get in there. my Calibri V-cutter, I've had to tight, take a little small screwdriver and tighten up the screws. But um, I have... Because those screws do have a tendency to kind of somewhat rattle loose over time. They do. But, and I, I have found that or uh, about, about every year or so, I will actually take mine completely apart, clean it with a little cotton swab and some alcohol and some compressed air to get all the stuff out and then just go through and... And That's it's dedication. Good. It, no, not me. I, I see. Much like Shane, you know, I really like the the fiddly things. I like to tinker. And you know, when I was working for Calibri, I had access to v, to enough V cuts that if I took one apart and couldn't get it back together, well, I could just replace it without being really out of pocket. See, to me, I'm like, if I ever take, I've taken one apart, and that's because it came in broken. Or a guy lost a screw, and we had an extra screw, and so I tinkered with it, and no, I couldn't get it back together. Uh, it was like a puzzle, and I just didn't want to fool with it. I, I find, I, from a from a standpoint of like, you know, I've taken lighters apart too. Lighters never go back together. It, and I'm now, lighters. I love to take lighters apart. <laughs> I've actually sat with a guy's lighter, didn't work, and. So I had to adjust the the click the button wore out. It was like a cheap jet line or something, and so but he had this had sentimental value to him, and he was like, "Oh, this is, you know, I've had this lighter for so long, and like it was the first lighter, and I think it's like dad bought it for him or something." So kind of had some sentimental value. So I was like, "Let me see what I can do." So took it apart and fixed the button. Well, in the process, the hose popped off. Oh, okay. So I'm sitting there with tweezers for 45 minutes and putting this hose, and I get one back on, and then the other one pops off. And then so I fiddle with that, and I finally got it back together, and the lighter worked great. That's awesome. But um, getting that all taken apart and seeing how it works and then putting it back together, I mean, it was a strain, but, you know, 
everybody came to me and they're like, this guy will fix your lighter. Like, no matter what's wrong with it, he'll fix it. And the only thing I can't fix on a lighter pretty much is if the sparker wears out. Right. If it wears out, it's just done. There's nothing you can yeah. do at that point. So what do you do as far as maintenance maintaining a lighters? Because occasionally I clean my lighters, especially where the flame comes out. Right, I'm holding yeah, you my... you have to clean. Lighters. Yeah, I scrub yeah. that just a little. Take a toothbrush and scrub that so that we're still getting a good flow of, you know, butane out of the lighter and all that. How do you ever do that? I do, I do. The best thing, if you're talking about a, a torch lighter, the best thing you can do is periodically, and I mean fairly regularly, like once a month, is spray the jets out with compressed air. See, I take the jets and I just shoot butane straight into the jets. And that cleans them out pretty well. That, um, and that way you don't get air pockets in your lighter. Um, you just have that butane in there. And then bleed it, refill it. And typically when a guy comes in, he's like, oh, my jet quit working. And it's like, oh, no, it didn't. It just needs to be clean. You know, you've had it for about a year, and I know you've done nothing with it. So you clean it out, it works perfect. Yeah, the, so. um, and that's a really good point is bleeding the lighter. Again, if you want to, not necessarily maintenance, but making sure that it has a long lifespan, the best thing you can do is bleed it before you fill it every time. Now, I'm a hypocrite on this because I don't do that with my Julius. Because with a soft flame, it's less important. But with those torch lighters, it's very important. The most common problem I see with lighters, and I was I diagnosed this issue with a friend of mine's lighter recently, is they get airlocked. You know, and if it, air is not compressible, butane is. And so what's going to happen is it's going to try and force that air out of the jet and it's not going to ignite, but you're never going to get to the butane. The only way to do it is to turn it upside down. My preferred tool for this job is a Phillips head eyeglasses screwdriver. The reason I like it is because it's small enough to fit down in there, but then the little notches in the Phillips head create an easy escape for the butane coming out. So I always use flathead. Flathead's kind of my go-to because you have the, the sides and it just blows it out the sides. I and have, it bleeds a little faster than with a... I have seen head. people mangle their their filling port with a with a flathead before. It's the only reason I, that's not my preference. I can see that. but and, and I know a lot of people recommend a ballpoint pin. Ballpoint pin is fine, but what you end up with is it kind of seals that that port mm-hmm. while you're in the process of it. So you don't, it doesn't bleed as fast or as completely. So we've, we've established on cutters, you do nothing. And on lighters, just simple, basic cleaning, yeah. pre- cleaning preparations. And, you know, a cotton swab with alcohol will get you very, very far. Okay, Jonathan, I'm putting you on the spot. Ooh. Are you going to ask my long live the king, the king is dead question at the next sales meeting? If they were made to be smoked back to back? Oh, yeah, I actually forgot about that. Uh, I actually have a sales meeting in January 14th in Miami, so... Uh, just shoot me a text like right before that, and I'll be sure to ask it. Okay, I'll put a, I'll put a reminder in my phone because yeah. I'm, I've really got to know if that's just a good story or if that actually they were actually. And I don't know how you actually. Would even you know do what? That. I might be able to find out Monday because I have a conference call with my boss every Monday, so I can probably just ask him. He should know. Yeah. How bad is it going to suck if I get Jonathan fired? <laughs> it's not no, going to be the worst ever. I'm just going to be like, hey, I got a buddy. He wanted to know, and he'll be fine. He's cool. He's real laid back. So. It's, it's a gonna great be, company. It's going to gonna be for. really funny if it is the case and they didn't cover that in sales training. <laughs> so, what was the sales training like? Well, it was here's started, a book, go sell. Kind of. Um, so, November first and November November first was Thursday. So Thursday and Friday, went out on my own. Just went to meet customers in pretty much Middle Tennessee and Alabama, um, Northern Alabama, and. Uh, then the next week, my boss, he flew in Monday, picked him up. We did Middle Tennessee, Knoxville, Chattanooga, and then went down into Atlanta. Um, and so he kind of rode with me, kind of gave me a little bit of advice on stuff. And uh, then he flew out Friday morning. But other than that, I mean, it was pretty straightforward. And, I mean, I kind of had a preconceived notion of what to do. And I was my preconceived notion was pretty much right. And so... Uh, it worked out really well. So, if you join a new NFL team, they give you a playbook. Has Caldwell given you a playbook? Have they given you something and said, okay, this is not for public consumption? I mean, sure, we have price sheets and um, little tasting notes and stuff. 
that's kind of for us and retailers, but that's about it. Oh, so so everything's pretty transparent. Nothing really on the down low. Um, yeah, for the most part, we like to be transparent with our customers because we, if there's any issue that arises out of out of something, we want them to know about it. Um, kind of like with the Mad MF, uh, we had a cease and desist on it, and we wanted to be transparent on why you're not getting that cigar. Um, we're having to change the name, so. And that's kind of the, that's all I'll say about that. But Well, I'll have to say the Anastasia is wonderful. Um, really more classic cigar taste than what I normally get out of it. It's definitely not a modern blend. No, it's you very can, classic. Yeah, you can tell this is, a, this is an old family recipe type blend. It's kind of got that, um, that kind of not dusty, but that earthy type finish mm-hmm. to it. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm already down to my pick on it because I've been sitting here listening and smoking <laughs> quite a bit. You know, I'm, I'm smoking mine pretty fast, too. I'm really enjoying this. You know, the it, it has gotten a little spicier, although yeah, not it, very much. There's a little bit of spice, but nothing that we make is just really overly spicy. Right. And I'm doing the same thing I did three weeks ago, just to let the listeners in, is I went to the dentist today. So, of course, my mouth is hypersensitive to that spicy flavor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think that might be might be part of it but the the cocoa and chocolate notes have just amplified it and was that cigar is even better in a bellicoso I, I i believe that i actually bought a box from a customer i was like hey you know i, I don't i can't get get these in bellicoso so i bought a uh, i bought a whole box at an event i did so i know you're a as well as a rep you're a cigar connoisseur oh what have you found in the back shelves in the back rooms of these so, old cigar shops that you need to tell us about? Okay, so there's like two shops. And I, I'll tell them the name of the shops, but you guys are going to just kind of have to stay on the down low because I can't tell you guys. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, so one shop I, I have, and I'll tell you the area. It's in Atlanta, but that doesn't tell you a whole lot because there's a ton of cigar shops in Atlanta. But it's in Atlanta, and uh, it's not a lounge, but they <laughs> I know, have... I know where you're talking about. They have original CAO Sopranos. Yes. Um, and, I, and he has overstock boxes of them. Five overstock boxes. And then he had Hoya Cabinetta Lancero's original release for $5.99 a stick. Wow. And I was like, mind blown. Um, so I'm thinking about picking up a box of Sopranos. I was in another shop, and he had... This was in Atlanta also, or kind of Atlanta area. And he had Tatawahe Monsters, the mummy dress box on the shelf with cigars in it. Wow. Next to it, I thought it was the the Kruger. It turned out it was the Wolfman um, refill box from 2011. I bought all he had. He only had two cigars in there. I bought all he had. And then I bought two mummies, and he still had about four of those left. Um then he was, I was like, man, you have so much cool stuff here. And he's like, oh, wait. So he goes into his own personal humidor and pulls out an original release box of Opus X, BBMFs, the Maduro Natural alternating, one of 100 boxes made, and his was still full. Wow. And that was incredible. And I was like, would you sell it? And he's like, yes, I would, but it would cost a lot. And I was like, I bet it would. <laughs> so that was... Anyone that, who's been able to sit on that for that long, you know it's going to take... It's amazing the stuff that you find on the road. Like some guys, it just doesn't move and they have it. And it's it's incredible, you know, so... Well, and I think that's that's the, the cool part of your job is you get to see all of these really... Oh, and then I have to the buy it. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I represent Caldwell, but I've got to buy this. And they're like, oh, no, we understand. <laughs> That's a great thing about, you know, having that relationship with the shop owners and the employees. You know, they know your rep. They know you know your stuff and, and that you recognize the, uh, the the unsung heroes of the humidor and the, the stuff that's really rare that most people walk by because they don't know about it. But cigar guys know. Yeah. Have you got to go to any of the really exclusive lounges, you know, where like if Hank Jr. comes in and wants a cigar, they take him upstairs and in the back room? Have you got uh, to go to in, any of those? I went in one cigar shop. This is down in Huntsville, and it's called Vintage. And when you walk in, you're like, okay, this is just a bar. It's nothing nothing special. You have some high-top high top tables with some high-top chairs, and they have a phenomenal bar selection. You walk in their humidor. It's the most beautiful humidor I've ever been in. They use trays, but everything's custom-built so where there's no gaps. Cigars just fit in there perfectly. 
And then he was like, oh, no, let me show you our lounge. And I was like, lounge? I was just in the lounge. She's like, oh, no, this is our member's lounge. It goes up, fingerprint scanner. Nice. Door opens, and it looks like an old, like, Victorian-style house library, high-back chairs, fireplace, um, just dim-lit, big picture hanging on the wall. That's really cool. I mean, just incredible. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, my jaw just hit the floor. So, um, so I have to ask, of all the shops you've been to, what's the one thing that Austin, besides light and heat, that Austin could add to this cigar shop? Ventilation would be, I think, the key. But his is middle of the road, to be honest. Like It's so I, much better than it used to be. Yeah, it is a lot better than it used to be. Um, but there's some shops that – there's one shop I went in, and uh, they had actually just moved, and they can – Re, they can pull all the air out of the shop and then put clean air back in every three minutes. That's impressive. I walked in, five guys are smoking a cigar, and it doesn't even smell like cigars in there. Um, they said they had 120 people on their grand reopening, and he's like, there wasn't any smoke in the air. He's like, we just turned it up on high and just went with it. That's one of those things that I think the smoking bans in most states has really done a disservice is that, you know, I've, I've talked before, and, and I remember back before the smoking ban in Tennessee, you used to be able to smoke in just about every bar. And at that time, they didn't even restrict you smoking cigars. It was just, you could smoke. And the ventilation back then was so good. And I think everyone kind of competed with each other for air quality. And now that it's just the cigar shop, I mean, you obviously you don't want it to be foggy in here, but there's less of a, an importance put on air quality. And I think that's why, especially when some of the smaller shops, when they get busy, it's really hard for them to keep up. But this shop that I was talking about, all he has is he has a fan that's in the top of the ceiling. And when he kicks it on, he has a ventilation, but he just has this that he runs during the day. And that was what was on when I walked in. And that's not even his ventilation. That's just to suck air out. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even smell like cigars in there. So I couldn't imagine. He's like, oh, no, when I kick my ventilation on, he's like, it controls the air temperature in here. He's like, clean air. He's like, your eyes don't burn. It's like, none of that. And he's like, it's really incredible. And they went from a shop where it was like old school tobacco and it's hazy, foggy, just your eyes burn immediately when you walk in the door. And then they transferred to this shop, modernized everything. And awesome, awesome shop. Well, very cool. This is in Gainesville, Georgia, by the way. It's called Schmitty's Tobacconist. I know Schmitty's. Yeah. Dude, their new shop is unbelievable. I'll I'll have to go back now that they've moved. I haven't been there in a while. No, it's... I mean, you're great guys that run that shop. Too. Great guys. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of the show tonight. It's been fun having Jonathan here and kind of getting a little of the inside from a rep. And as your experience continues, we'll have you back on. I'm interested to see in a year what you look like, how that's how a year on the road has affected you. Uh, I'll probably you. have like bags under my eyes and just be like, oh, I need a break. He's going to go full white hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, always, I already see a few flecks of gray also, coming I've into to meet a lot of different reps. A lot of different reps. Like it seems like every time I walk in an account, either I walk in right after a rep's walked in, or a rep walks in right behind me. Yeah. So it's just kind of cool. It's a it's a great brotherhood on the road because none of them are just none of them are assholes. They're all just super nice, and they're like, "Oh, welcome to the industry. You know, you need advice. Here's my number." Yeah. And, it's and there's great. room for everybody on the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. You know, reps by and large, you have to be personable to be a rep. And that translates into the other relationships in their life. So, and also, I've noticed a personality change. Like, I'm a little bit more like apt to go talk to people. Like, you know, I was a little bit more reserved, and then like now, I'm just like, okay, I don't care. I'm going in this count. You know, let's see. And so, I mean, I have no idea who I'm supposed to talk to. I just walk in. And I'm like, hey, are you the owner? Are you the manager? And then go from there. And everybody's been super receptive to it. So, so I have to ask. You were in Georgia when Alabama played Georgia. Were you wearing the jersey? I actually did an event that day, so it was from 12 to 4. I was doing a happy hour event, and then as soon as 4 o'clock hit, the game actually started at 4 because I was in Georgia. I was on Eastern time, so the game started at 4. So I went and changed my shirt. Surprisingly, it was in Columbus, Georgia, so right there on the Alabama-Georgia line. There was more Alabama fans in that cigar shop than there were Georgia fans. And one of the biggest customers that we have is a Georgia – or that they have in that shop that buys Caldwell. He's a big Georgia fan, so he he came back in, and he's like – Oh, where's John at? He's like, and then he just like, he's like, oh, we're about to beat you guys' ass. Yeah, Alabama's going down. And I was like, man, I know. It's fine. Whatever. We're still hopefully going to make the playoffs. And then we made that big comeback. And then watch him get crushed was hilarious. (laughs) And then I gave him a cigar and he was happy again. So There you go. 
Well, thanks everybody for listening. How do they get a hold of us, Trey? So you can always we we do have the Stogie Awards coming up in a couple of weeks, so it's not too late to get your nominations and category suggestions in. Info at thecigarcast.com is our email. You can also reach out at facebook.com slash the cigarcast. And we're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast. Okay, one more question. I've got I've gotta ask. I know that's usually where I wrap the show up, but it I have is. to ask one more question. What's the workhorse cigar in the Caldwell line? What's the everyday... Blind Man's Bluff. It's that the... is like the backbone of Caldwell in most shops. That's the number one selling cigar in most shops for us. And you know, I still haven't had one. I'm going to have to get my hands on one of those. I, there's a shop up in Nashville that I know that carries them with regularity. So I'll have to next time I'm up there, I'll, I'll make it a point to pick one of those up. But yeah. Well, we got to get a poker game started. Jonathan, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you, guys. And Trey, have a good week. And to everyone else, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm